0: turn to Exodus chapter 9 and Exodus chapter 10, when we're, we're getting into the seventh and the eighth um, plague, actually, in these two plagues, there's a lot, of more, lot more details to these two plagues than the other ones coming that, that were there. Um, of course, we had the first couple where the magicians repeated it and stuff, but you're going to have a little bit more detail in this because God's doing something very important in this aspect. We've looked at the water turning to blood and um, fish, the fish that had died and all the sea creatures that were in that area or are the, are the um, river and then you had the frogs that came in everywhere and they wouldn't kill those because they were sacred to them and then they piled all those up then they had lice and they had the flies come in Last, the moraine came in and that was basically kill, hurting the cattle and the things that were outside and um, then we had the personal effects of the boils and now you're coming in to seven and eight. Nine and ten, nine of course is the darkness, ten is the, the first bo- firstborn, but we want to look at seven and eight, and they're very kind of interesting. The first one is hail, as it comes through, and there's more details of that. Then the locusts, and they knew what locusts were, because um, locusts would come in and they would do certain things, and even how Moses brings the locusts to them, through the wind, and he talks about that. But we're going to go over um, number 7. It's found in hail in, in chapter 9, verse 19, um, and 20, 19 through 21. Let's go ahead and turn to this real quick, and we're going to get some details in this. And like I said, there's more details in this. Verse 18, let's jump in 18. It says, Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous ha- hail, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof even until now. And I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of seeing what hail can do. It can destroy things. And this was one of the worst ones that has ever happened. And it says in verse number 19, to show the magnitude of it, he tells them what to do. He says, send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them and they shall die now. Let's think about this as we look at this. He has told them six things that were going to happen. Every one of those happened. You ever met someone that's stubborn? You ever met somebody you go, you just can't get through to them? Because I understand the next verse, because look at verse number 20. Verse number 20 says this, it says, He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. They are doing exactly what he said. But then go to the next verse. When I'm studying this, I'm going, what are these people thinking? They've got the stench in the air of the cattle. They've had sores on their body. And then verse number 21. And he that regardeth not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the what? Field. And there were people that died from this because they just wouldn't listen. It's amazing when you study this. I I think why was 21 in there? If I had told you six things were going to happen and they're all supernatural. You know, if I told you, listen, the water's going to turn to blood. Then there's going to be, not only that, there's going to be frogs everywhere. There's going to be lice, flies, the cattle are going to die, and you're going to get boils on you, and every one of them happened. What would you do if I was telling you what the seventh one was? You would listen. Now, they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have all these things that we have now, which was probably a blessing. If you're on Facebook for more than three hours a day, you're what we call addicted, okay? Okay? We can find out things, and I just want to say this to you. Everything that's on the internet is not true, okay? You might think it is, but it's not. But here they didn't have that privilege. They didn't have this. But word of mouth got out. I guarantee after the first or second one, they were like, oh, what's going on now? He's coming back. And almost you could see Moses walking through everything just destroyed. And he's coming back and knocking on Pharaoh's door and saying, this is what God's going to do. But for 21, verse number 21, I just don't understand it. And then you go to verse number 24, jump, drop down to verse 24. So there was hail and fire, mingled with the, and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. There's that word grievous. It's found in there. You'll hear him say that a lot. Verse number 25 is... The hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field, and brake every tree of the field. This is devastation. Have they ever had a big hailstorm in, in Kingsport? I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of watching it, but I, there's not one second in my mind when a hailstorm is, is let, let's go out and play in it. I'll put an umbrella up and see what happens. You know, at that point, if your car's not in the garage, it's not in the garage, and it's not going to get in the garage because you're going to stay inside. And I've, seen, I've seen some, where we were at in Farmersburg one year, we had some a little bit bigger than a golf ball. And I want to tell you, it destroyed things. And here it's telling you what it did. It killed people. It killed beasts. Tore up the herbs. And it also destroyed the trees. Can you get a picture of what Egypt looks like like right now? Not good. They've lost a lot of wealth. Just the sickness, of the smell and the stench. You imagine the maggots and all the stuff that were in the frogs, in the fish, and all these other things. You imagine what that was like. And he comes back. He says, "Listen, now if you have any animals that survived the last one." If you put them outside, they're going to die. And so you have that come in, and and it says he actually did did it. And keep going in verse number 26. It says in verse number 26, here's God taking care of him. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, were, there was no hail. This again shows you how powerful God is. He can direct the storm. And he can make sure that you're safe when you write in, his, in his in his line. Now, 27 and 28, I've got this. The same old story. I had a friend that was addicted to, to alcohol. And when, when, when you talk with him about it, he'd say, oh, I'm going to get off of it. I'm going to get off of it. It's just the next time. It's just the next time. It's just the next time. And you get tired of the same old story. Pharaoh's telling the same old story. Look what he does in verse number 27. Verse 27, he comes back on the scene, and Pharaoh sent and called for Moses. Now, this is all happening. He says, go get Moses, bring him here. He sends for him, and for Moses and Aaron said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Wait till a big storm comes, and watch for the interviews on TV. You'll hear people say, "I'm good. I was just praying that God would keep me so that I wouldn't get hurt, and I promised God I would." Da, 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 da. Do they ever do the? Da, 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 da? No, they got to get back. Remember when 9/11 happened? They said church increase went up right after 9/11, but in about two months later, it went back to where it was. There's no necessity for it. Here's Pharaoh saying the same thing. He said, "I have sinned against thee." And look at, look at verse number 27. He says, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. Now he's answering for everybody. I wonder if he's answering for everybody because he's killed some more people. Go to verse number 28. And treat the Lord for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail. And I will let you go and ye shall stay no longer. Same old story. So what does Moses do? He goes out and takes care of it. Go and see what it says about him. It says in verse number 33, And Moses went out of the city and Pharaoh and spread abroad his hands unto unto the Lord, and the thunders and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken by Moses? It's the same old story. Now it's going on seven times. And remember what I said. He didn't tell Moses that he was going to go there ten times. He just said, go see Pharaoh. We say, well, Pharaoh, he, he, was, he was a hard-headed man, wasn't he? Hard-hearted man. But don't we do the same thing sometimes? That repetitive sin sometimes we get into? Oh, I'll get over it. I'll get over it. I won't do that anymore. And what happens? We do it again. We've got got to be very careful with that. So you have the hail and it comes in, and and it just destroys things. And and there's something in here also that I want you to see. Go to verse number 29. 29 through 32 tells a different story. There's something that's, that's saved through this whole thing. And I wonder, as we're we're looking at this, it says, And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my my hands unto the Lord. And the thunder shall shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. Verse number 30, But as for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not fear the Lord God. Now look at verse number 31. It says, And the flax and the barley was smitten, it was destroyed. For the barley was in the ear and the flax was boiled. Boiled. It said, verse number 32, look at this. But the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. He says, listen, you still have the wheat and the rye, but it's not all the way grown. I wonder if Pharaoh's thinking, well, at least he didn't destroy that. You You can use wheat for a lot of things and rye for a lot of things. And I wonder in the back of his mind if he, if he honestly thought, you know, I can keep that. We'll be okay. And he turns his back on God as we've already read. Now you get the eighth one. Talk about vain repetition. Go to chapter 10. You're going to see this, this, the, this, the eighth one coming on. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go into Devaro, for I have hardened hard his heart and the heart of the servants, that I might show these my signs before him like he hasn't seen those before. And that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and the son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know how that I am the Lord. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto, the, uh, said unto him, thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me else if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locust into thy coast. Now, if I was Pharaoh at this particular junction, I'd say, huh, I don't want locusts. The people in the Middle Eastern countries, they know what locusts can do. They can destroy things. A locust, for, for everybody's sake in here, is a small grasshopper. You ever had the privilege of a grasshopper jumping on you? I hate grasshoppers. You know, there's a reason why in that, toy, in that, in that um, bug's life, the grasshoppers are the bad ones. And I've seen them jump on me. And, and in Indiana, they have the ones that fly. Anybody ever seen the ones that fly? And they don't fly normal. They just fly all, all, all erratic, and you have no idea what they're going to do. But they can destroy something. You don't want them in your garden. And here it says the locusts are going to come, and it says they shall cover the face of the earth that one cannot be able to see the earth. You know what that, that means? It means this. And they shall cover the face of the earth that one cannot be able to see the earth. It's what the Bible says. What's going to happen is these, these, these locusts are going to be everywhere. You won't even be able to see the ground. Sort of sounds like the frogs. And then it says this. And they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped. you know who he's referring to? The wheat and the rye. These animals are going to get in there and they're going to destroy it, which remaineth unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. And if that's not worse, let's look at verse number six. And they shall fill thy houses, and the houses of thy servants, and the houses of the Egyptian which neither thy father's nor thy father's father have seen since the day that they were upon the earth unto this day. In other words, they're, not, they're going to be more devastating than they've ever been in their entire existence. And he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh. If I was Pharaoh, I'd say, I don't want to see that man anymore. But there's something in here as I was writing this. Finally, verse number 7. Look what verse number 7 says. Finally, someone speaks to him. Pharaoh is sitting there. Moses has just left, and verse number seven says And Pharaoh's servant said unto him, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Interesting question. He did not say a snare unto you, Pharaoh. He said a snare unto us. Was this Moses doing this? It was God doing it. Moses was just the messenger. And so here he says, listen, this is, this is not going to be good. Why are we doing this? And then it says this, let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet the Egypt is destroyed. Do you not understand what it's doing here, Pharaoh? You servants. Now, for them to talk to Pharaoh like that, they're in a desperate mode. One of the things they would say about Saddam Hussein is, if you didn't agree with him, he'd kill you. I don't know if you saw that one. They showed that one where they had the parliament of, of Iraq, and he was in there, and there were like four or five guys that didn't agree with him, and they took him out, took them out, and you never saw them again. But these these servants are saying to him, "This is this is not good." But he doesn't do anything. Verse number twelve through fifteen shows the destruction of what happens. 12 through 15 says this, the locusts destroyed it, it says in verse number 12, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt, for the locusts that they may come up into the land of Egypt, and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail had left. So they're going to destroy everything that's out there. Now picture, if you will, the destruction if this happened in Kingsport. There would be no grass, there would be nothing left. There would be no trees, no herbs, no plants. It says in verse number 13, Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locust. I think this is interesting. He doesn't just all of a sudden make them appear. He has a wind bring them in. And, and I, I can almost picture this black cloud coming in, and it's just sitting everywhere, and they're destroying everything. And the locust went up over all the land and, and rest in all the coast of Egypt. It says this, they were very grievous, there's that word again, were there, before them that were no such locusts as they, neither after them shall be such. In other words, these were going to be the most devastating locusts you've ever seen. For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened, and they did eat every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees and the, that the hail had left. And there remained not any green thing. And there remain not any green things in the trees or in the herbs of the field through all the land of Egypt. Now picture that. What if we read this about the United States? Not one green thing was left. Do You think God's trying to get their attention? Absolutely he is. But he has to get them in his order. Not one. And then I find something that's interesting too. That look at verse number 19. When it's all said and done, all the locusts are gone. It says in verse number 19, it says, and I think this is a miracle in and of itself. And the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind, which took away the locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the coast of Egypt. That's an amazing feat. Again, right, it shows how powerful God is. You would think there'd be remnants of them. They were all gone. They couldn't find one. I'm going to end it with this. We've got these two today, but I'm going to give you two things. What does God really want in our lives? And what do men want in their lives? I'm going to show you four things that God shows what he wants in these two and these two. And it's stated real clear. Go to chapter 9. Turn to verse number 16. 9 verse 16 says this. And in this very deed, for this cause, have I raised thee up, for to show the to show in thee my power. You know what God wants? He wants people to understand his power. Now, men, if you were in a group, now no one's gonna admit this, especially if you're my age or above. But if you remember when you're in high school, you want to be the strongest guy there, amen. Do you remember power, lifting, lifting weights and showing off how strong you were? To show the girls how strong you were? Do you remember that? I could see Wayne Cowden out there walking like this. You know what God wants? He wants to show us how powerful he is. Through all these, now we're up to the seventh one, one of the things that he wanted to show Egypt and show his people was his power. How did he show his power? By doing all these things and by not doing it to the Israelites. So there's his power right here. He shows his power. It says that in there. Keep reading in this verse. There's a second thing. Not only his power, but he wants his name revealed. See, everybody knew who Pharaoh was. But Pharaoh's going to learn who God is. Keep reading in verse number 19. I mean, verse number 16. It says, And in every deed for this cause have I raised thee yet, for to show in thee that my power And that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about Christ's birth. It's about who he is, not who we are. We are minute compared to him. We need to reveal his name. That's why I love last year we went through some of the names. We're talking about some of the names this year. One of my favorite things that they say who Christ is, is when he's talking to Joseph. He calls him, remember the name that the, the um, angel calls Jesus and tells Joseph what it means? Remember that? What's the word? Emmanuel. He says his name is Emmanuel and it means what? God with us. There's something wonderful about that. And when you're going through these plagues and God's with you, you're okay. But if you don't have God, guess what? You're going to be in trouble. You've lost all your food supply in the water. You've lost your cattle. You've got a stench of the frogs. You've probably got some scars from the boils on you. Now you're going to lose the rest of your cattle, and everything that's green is going to be gone. I don't know. There's something about walking around and not being able to touch the ground and and smashing locusts as you're walking. And I don't think they were like, I'm not going to get on you. I think they'd fly and land on you. I can't imagine that. I would go insane. You ever seen those little, they call them spider crickets? They're not scared of anything. They kind of look like a cross between a cricket and a grasshopper. And they always get underneath your house. And it always seems when I'm in a closed thing and I can't get out, they land on me. They look at me. And they would devour me if there was enough of them. But I can't imagine what these people thought. It was devastating. Their whole, their whole world has turned up. Even although the Israelites did not have all these things happen to them, it still affected them. What does God want? He wants His power revealed, He wants His name revealed. Go to verse number 29. It says this And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. This earth is not ours. It's his. Now, I'm for taking care of the earth. You know, I don't chuck things out my window. I I don't like people that do. I feel bad when I throw a banana peel out. I feel bad when I throw I threw some, um, how many of you like sunflower seeds? When I travel, that's all I eat is sunflower seeds. I just eat sunflower seeds as I go. And I fill up a cup of those, those things. And the other day I was dumping it in the trash, and, I, and about five of them fell out of the trash, and I picked them up. But you could look at it and go, oh, these are biodegradable. You know how long it's going to take for that sunflower seed to go away? It's going to take a long time. I am for taking care of the earth. But here he's saying, listen. This earth is God's. This earth is God's. God is in control of this thing. If you want to recycle, recycle. But don't think you're going to save this earth. You're not going to. God's in control of this earth. You say, well, that doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right with what the media is saying, what other people are saying, but God is in control of this earth. He knows exactly what's going on. He understands the cycle of life. He created it. We think we've come up with something new. He knows what He's doing. You take one element out of what He's created, you can be in trouble. Watch. You take out bees. We're in trouble if you take out bees. I know you don't want to hear this, but you take out maggots. They have a purpose, but there's no way I want maggots all over me. But they have a purpose. In Kentucky, when we lived in Kentucky, they started this new thing, and I'd never seen it before, when a deer got hit by a car. I, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they would spray this white foam on them, and it would make them decay faster. And I remember driving down, going to UPS in the morning, and I, and I saw a couple of piles of white thing. and I thought, did it snow lately? I don't remember that. And there was, And what it was, it was those deer. They'd cover that up so that they would decompose faster. God's got everything taken care of. You might not like those turkey vultures, but they know what they're doing. There's nothing greater than seeing a turkey vulture fly off with about a, about a foot and a half of intestine hanging out of his mouth. But God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? You say, well, well that's terrible, Pastor Ranger. God knows how to take care of this earth, he does. And he says in this verse, in verse number 29, look what it says. He's saying to Pharaoh, listen, this earth is God's. So he wants his power revealed. He wants his name revealed. He wants the earth is his. And go to chapter 10 and verse number 2. It says in verse number 1, it says, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these my signs before him. Now look at verse number 2 and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and thy son's sons what what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them that ye may know how that I am the Lord. So all these things, especially his last two, he's saying, listen, I want my power revealed. I want my name revealed. I want the, the earth is mine. And that God is Lord. This is what he wants us to know. Isn't that great to know the power that he has? Isn't it great to know his name? To show you how the world works, we have turned God's name into a curse word. That's not what he intended it for. You say, well, it's no big deal. Then you don't know the Ten Commandments. Why would If it wasn't important, why would God use one of it to reverence his name? And then he wants us to know the earth this is. He does a great job with the earth. Now, some of you in here might be able to explain this. But I don't understand the water system, how it works. I know we get, it evaporates, goes up to the clouds, the clouds, but I don't understand how it works all that, all that great, but it works great, doesn't it? We never run out of water. And we have fresh water and we have salt water. I don't like to swim in the ocean because there's salt water, amen? It gets in your eyes, it burns. So that's why I stay with the chlorine. If it gets in my eyes, at least they're clean, amen? But as we look at this, we go, we just don't know how God's in control. He is in control, folks. He knows what he's doing. And you know, his last thing he wants us to know is he wants us to know that he is God. Now, what does man want to know? I want you to turn into chapter 10, and I'm going to show you what, what man wants to know. What, what, what man wants. We've got what God wants in this story, but what does man want? Now let me finish, I want you to finish this story. On eight occasions, we went up to eight, somewhere in, normal, in all these stories, you'll hear um, Moses say to Pharaoh, finish the statement, let my people go. So he tells them that. But, look at verse number 8. Hebrews, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 10 and verse 8. It says, And Moses and Aaron were brought again into Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God, but who are they that shall go? Now you've got to remember in verse number 7, this is the one where the servants are talking to him. He says, Listen, do you not realize that Egypt is destroyed? How long shall this man be a smear, snare unto us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. So Moses and Aaron went and brought again, and it says that Pharaoh said unto them, Pharaoh said unto and he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? Keep reading, note Moses in verses number 9 and 10, Moses responds to him, And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters. Now watch, he doesn't end with the people. He says, with our flocks and with our herds will we go. For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And verse number 10 says this, and he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. You know, this is what God's plan was, that they were going to go out and they were going to worship. It's not what man wants. Man wants his own set of rules, right? If we were left under our own demise, you know what we'd be? We'd be humanistic. would be all about people. Thank God, God saved, came to this earth, died on a cross for us, and if you accepted him as personal savior, you've got him in your heart. And it's not you that does the thinking anymore, it's him. Because we were just as bad as Pharaoh was. Oh, I'll let you go and then not let you go. Now look what he has laid out to Pharaoh. He says to Pharaoh, the kids are going to go, the little ones, the old ones. We're going to take everyone, the females, the males, and we're going to take, take all the herds. He's already been devastated. Everything that Moses has said to him has happened. Watch his response. Go to the next verse. It says in verse number 11, Not so... Man, if this was devastating, I'd be going, whatever you want, we'll do. But look what he says. He says, not so. Go now, ye that are, what? Men. What's he saying with that statement? The women can't go. The children can't go. And the herds and flocks can't go. Hmm. And it says, and serve the Lord. That makes it sound good. For that ye did desire, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Moses knew what he was saying. He understood who Pharaoh was. See, what we want, we want to set the rules. We want to be in charge of God. What else could they do to the Egyptians? What else? I'm sitting there shaking my head going, what is wrong with Pharaoh? Does he not think this through? Sometimes you just got to count your losses and let go. But you know what sometimes we like to do? We like to hold on to what we love. Maybe in his mind he said, we've lost everything. The only thing we have are these Israelites that will help us build it back up. I don't know what his logic of thinking was. But I do know this. He didn't want Moses and he didn't want God to set any of the rules. He said, listen, I'm just going to let the men go. I'm going to read some verses. I want you to finish them. The Lord is my shepherd. I. Okay, let's try that again. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I. Alright, keep this one. He must increase, but I. Do all, now you might not know this one. This is one that my, I don't know why my mom made me memorize this verse, but she made me memorize this. Do all things without what? Murmurings and disputings. Kind of tells you what kind of child I was growing up, didn't it? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. For with God, all things are possible. Let me read these verses again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He must increase, i but I must decrease. Do all things without murmurings and disputing. I can do all things through Christ's strength, before with God all things are possible. You know what we've got to get back to realizing? We've got to do what God wants us to do. For us, God should be a yes. And we should be a no. We should be willing to sacrifice because He sacrificed for us. Don't be a Pharaoh. And try to hold on to what, what isn't even yours anyway. I had a vehicle one time, and it was a van, a little minivan. My wife doesn't like minivans. I like minivans. Um, and if you have a minivan, it doesn't mean that she doesn't like it. She just doesn't want us to have one. But I, I enjoyed the minivan. I, I enjoyed You put a lot of people in it. And one guy, came, a guy came up to me one day and said, can I borrow your minivan? I said, yeah, you can borrow my minivan. And he was the kind of guy that would joke with you, yeah, and he came up to me, he goes, I really need to talk to you. His name was Dale, and I was like, what do you need to talk to me about? He said, you need to sit down. And I said, what? and I, I forgot all about him using my minivan, and I, I've come to the conclusion that everything that I have is not mine. Now, that doesn't mean if you came up to said, can I borrow something, I'm going to let you have it and let you destroy it. I, God gave me a little bit of common sense, too, okay? But he took that van, and, and I forgot all about it, and he came to me, he goes, I need to talk with you, and I said, what is it? He goes, I just wrecked your minivan. I was like, "What? What did you do?" And I didn't know if he was joking or not. He goes, "Well, sit down. I'll explain it to you." He, I, we both sat down, and he said, "I was trying to do something nice for you. I appreciate you letting me use my mini, your minivan for my family." And, and he and he and he was a dear friend of mine. He said, "But it something happened." And I said, "Well, just tell me what happened." He said, "Well, I took it to a car wash." And I was like, "Well, that was nice. You took it to car wash." He goes. But the car wash malfunctioned. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, we put it in. It was one of those where your car goes and just it takes off. And he said, I didn't do anything wrong. I got in. I put it in neutral. It started working. Then all of a sudden, about a third of the way in, it just shot through the rest of the car wash. Knocked off the mirrors off both sides, scratched both sides of the vehicle, and he said, and the sad thing was, it didn't even wash, my, wash your car. There were bubbles still on it, and it was filthy. He said, literally, it's totaled with what it did. And I said, really? And I still didn't know if he was joking. I walked out there, and sure enough, the mirrors were gone, and there were scratches on both sides. And I looked at him and I said, well, this is not your, your fault. There's nothing you could do. I said, did you, did you at least get the name of where it was? And he said, yeah. He said, and then he made this statement. He said, you know, God is really in control. And I thought, that's easy for you to say. My band's out there scratched up and destroyed. And God is in control. He said, when I went through that car wash, it just happened to be that there were two insurance adjusters in the getting their car gassed up by that car wash and they saw the whole thing and he said here's their name call them and they will help you get this taken care of and then i said okay well god's in control but you know what god didn't do it that easy did not do that easy he didn't he didn't always have to do it in my timing." See the problem was is the car wa- car wash wouldn't take responsibility. The gas station wouldn't take responsibility because they didn't own the, the they didn't build the car wash. The car wash said that the, the gas company owned it. It got to the last minute and I had to get an attorney. Finally, the last day before we were supposed to go through, they said, "Okay, we'll take care of it." And the only thing that saved us through this whole thing was those insurance adjusters. But I truly remember when he came to me, he was almost in tears when he said that. I thought he was just joking with me. You know, sometimes we go through these turmoils and we hold on to the things that we that are not even ours. Pharaoh did not hold, he did not own the Israelites. They were gods. And so he had to let them go eventually, and it cost him his life because he held on to them. What are we holding on to? Why don't we just let God take our... We know the the verse, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We know I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. He must increase, I must decrease. We know all those things. Yet we still hold on. And that's exactly what Pharaoh was doing, even through the devastation of all the people. Through the death, the stench, the problems... And finally, by, by the servants looking at him saying, do you not see, why can't we get just rid of this guy? And yet he still wanted to do what he wanted to do. That's who we are. I don't want to admit it, but sometimes I'm like that. Sometimes you're like that. We just got to get back to what God wants. You know what God wants? He wants his power to be revealed. He wants his name to be revealed. He wants us to understand that the earth is his. He also wants us to understand that God, that, the God, that our God is our Lord. That's what he wants. Now you have the water, to blood, the frogs, the lice, the flies, the marine, or the death of the cattle, the boils, the hail, and the locusts. You haven't seen anything yet. So now he's going to do darkness, and then he's going to do the firstborn. And through this whole thing, God is still in control.